You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hey there, and welcome to this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. This is Sarah, and thank you so much for downloading this episode You know, our podcast is all about shedding limiting labels and beliefs so we can lead fulfilling, meaningful, and purpose-filled lives. And I really appreciate you walking alongside me and my team on this journey because it takes all of us just saying there's more, we can live without labels and limits, and just going after what we want. And because I also believe that without a doubt, we are each capable of more than we imagine. Um, So I hope you enjoy this interview. I know just from the brief pre-chat I've had with our guest, she's fun. So on today's podcast, let me tell you who we're going to talk to. We're going to be speaking with Madeline McRae. Now, Madeline is a former corporate consultant, and now she's a business growth strategist, and she helps people increase their sales volume and build systems so they can stop working 24-7. So there's the whole systems piece that I'm going to dig into a little bit because I'm super interested in that. And I also, I often think that the systems that we ignore are the ones that kind of come back and start controlling our lives. Um, but you know, all of that started for Madeline when she was working as a corporate executive and she tried to find more time and freedom to raise her kid as a solo mom. So now after five years in business, she's helped over 15,000 people hit their next stage of growth. Now, for some, that's their first million in revenue. For some, it's 5 million. And for some, it's even more. And for some, it's less. But people set their goals and Madeline helps them achieve their goals. Um, One of the things I love about what I learned from doing a bit of research on on Madeline is that she helps catapult enthusiastic entrepreneurs to the level of freedom they've desired. So, She works, she and her team work with large distribution-based organizations, and also she focuses, like I said, on on building business growth programs tailored to those clients' needs. She works through one-to-one coaching, she does speaking, and she also has a variety of custom-created group programs. And when you check out her website, you'll see more about really all of the services and support she has to help you be successful in the work that you do. So enough me talking about Madeline. Let's welcome Madeline to the show. Hi, Madeline. Hey, Sarah. I'm so delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. And like all my guests know, I like to start by asking the same question. And as that is, is there something you do every day that keeps you heading toward your big vision? You know, I used to, I would say, have a lot more disciplines about what I must do each day. And one of the things that I've done is just as you're, you're, you're releasing labels, I just let, let myself be free of the must 
And I just make sure that every day I do work that I love, even if it's only just a little bit, a little bit of time because it's some of the doing of the business that maybe is not the part you love the most or certain other pieces. But every single day, I make a decision to work with clients who I love and to do work that I love so that I'm always staying too in tune with my own joy. So that leads me to want to ask a specific question of you from what I learned. You know, you recently had a blog post not too long ago where you talked about the difference between like having a really structured day where everything's time blocked Mm -hmm. to have a bookended day. Yes. Can you talk a bit about that? Because that seems so relevant to what you just said about what you do for success, but different than often people say, you know, block out time to do A, B, and C. So talk about how that has helped you. Yeah. So I think that there's different moments in your work, in your career, in your life that require different things, right? Sometimes you need to have to exercise a lot of discipline with your schedule and you need to say, I'm going to do one hour for this and two hours for that. And this time is devoted to that because maybe you're very highly committed to a lot of different things. You've got a lot of deadlines, you have a lot of responsibilities and you have to juggle it all. And the only, only the things that get on your schedule get achieved, right? That might be the case. But for many of my clients and for myself, that's not the case, right? We have a lot going on, but we have a couple of really important strategic objectives and we just want to maintain consistent momentum and sanity. So for me, the bookending process is really simple. It's that at the beginning of every day, you have your to-do list. Let's just say you started with a to-do list and you kind of did what you did. And at the end of the day, you have things that you've accomplished and you have things that you have yet to accomplish. So bookending for me starts at the end of the day. You look at what you've achieved and you realistically look at what is left on your schedule, on your agenda, on your to-do list. And instead of just being like, okay, that all goes to tomorrow, you say, all right, there's no way I'm going to be able to get, I have five appointments and I have this and I have this and I have these 12 things on my to-do list. No way in Hades am I ever going to be able to get to everything tomorrow. So you realistically look at your list and you put different activities on different days. Some people use a really cool piece of software called Sunsama, which I love, S-U-N-S-A-M-A, Sunsama. I don't use it, but a couple of my clients do. I use old fashioned pen and paper, right? Real old school about it. Um, And I just have a page dedicated for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I have two weeks running and I grab those activities and I plot them on the days and look at my schedule. And if I need to block the time for it, I do, but typically I don't. I just allocate different activities to different days when I know I will have the time for them. And then I hold myself accountable. And the next, thing that I do in the the bookending, that's the first bookend, is at the end of the day. During that bookending process, I decide what is the one thing, the one thing I'm going to do tomorrow. And the next day, when I start my day, I do not open my email. I do not check my voicemail. I do not log on to social media because all of those things are other people's priorities. I do the one thing that I said I would do. And in that way, I consistently keep momentum. So those are the bookends that hold the structure of my day. I end predictably, I begin predictably, and I make the decision before I'm starting my day. So I don't have to start with decision. I can start with action. And boy, that does keep the momentum going. Yeah, absolutely. 
So let's talk about going back a bit in your history. Um, so first of all, your education and your expertise and graduating cum laude with English language and literature and your letters um, from Ave Maria University, what got you into sales and marketing since you got the highest honors in the literature department and then you went into sales and marketing? I know that's right. Um, I, I really didn't expect to. If you would have told me when I was in high school even that I would be in sales, not only in sales, but I would be teaching selling, I would have laughed in your face. Like I was pretty bold. I would have straight out laughed in your face. I really felt that sales belonged in the four letter word category. Like it's just a dirty word and it's not something that you do. It's not something that you talk about because I really felt that sales was something you do to someone. And as I experienced it, it was actually, it's actually something you do for someone, right? Not to someone. So I accidentally um, fell into sales and marketing um, because during college, I had taken the um, decision to, to, to test out a bunch of the different departments. So I worked as an executive assistant and I worked in, dif in different departments doing different things. Some of the work I loved, some of the work I loathed. And I just learned what I liked and what I didn't like. And I kind of got some experience in the real world so that I could use it. What I really intended to do was be an editor. But I went to a really small startup college and I wasn't prepared for how competitive editing really was. So when I got out into the real world to find a job, I couldn't get hired because I didn't have all of these internships and all of these different publications and all the things padding my resume. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll find some temporary work. So I ended up working for a newspaper in the classifieds department which felt like the place where dreams went to die. <laughs> I really did not enjoy that job. Um, you know, I was super uh, valued in that department because I knew how to do an Excel sheet. And I was like, really? <laughs> this is, this is my fast marks, that's it? Right, okay, we have a low, 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 low bar. Um, so I, um, I ended up realizing I didn't want to stay there and I was working the classifieds where they ran ads. And I came across to my literary heart, um, to the delight of my literary heart, a very well written, very well written ad. And it resonated with me for an executive assistant for a startup company in hurricane protection. And I was in South Florida, so perfect place where people need hurricane protection. And I ended up pursuing my career there. And that's when I fell in love with the world of small business, with the world of home improvement, with the world of sales and marketing. I started as executive assistant and I became self-taught sales and marketing guru because they needed that expertise and I just so happened to stumble upon it. And when I stumbled upon it, I moved heaven and earth to be to learn everything I could about it and um, I just I just excelled. So I'm going to take away the word I just excelled because prior to that you said I moved every, heaven and earth to learn everything I could about it. Yeah. That's not just, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> I just no, want to point that out. Yeah, that's someone being sure. very intentional about raising yeah. their skill level and craft to yeah. be valuable at what they're doing. Yeah, yes. Okay. And, and I, I, I simply excelled. You know, like I just, I, I, it was, to me, it was both learned and then practice. Yeah. Like yeah. I just, I learned it and I did it and I learned it and I did it and I paid attention to what worked and didn't. And I refined and I watched what other people did. One of my greatest gifts is by being able to watch what other people do and synthesize out the process. That and is that, a gift. 
especially when you talk about scaling and systems, you know, mm -hmm. to be able to do that, that is, that's kind of an important aspect of it. <laughs> yes, it is. I recognize it because it's not my own personal strength. Um, <laughs> So I admire it and others and want to know who does that well. So let me ask you though, you know, so you you were super successful, you mm -hmm. served your organization, you succeeded in your organization, but then what was it about being in the corporate sector that ultimately led you to want to leave that job? Yeah. So the job that I initially got was not the job that propelled me to corporate success. So my first, um, I would say career track job, what I just told you about, I stayed there for a couple of years and I outgrew the organization and I ended up moving out of Florida to Texas. And I um, ended up catching the eye of um, a big name in our, in our, in our industry, which is a, it's a, I'm going to say a name, no one's going to know it, right? It's called Somfy Systems. They're a manufacturer of tubular motors and controls, and they're a billion-dollar organization worldwide, and they're um, the organization, like the A brand, the primary brand, the leading brand in the world of hurricane protection and interior window treatments and awnings to make things move up and down and go in and out, right? So they're the, the component manufacturer of of other types of manufacturers. So it's a little bit convoluted on the supply chain, but that's where I landed because I was selling a competitive motor and eroding their market. Um, and so they solicited- So you did come to their eye. Like, yes, who I is did. this person taking our client base? That's exactly it. Who is this person down in Texas? Because I started my own manufacturer's repping business. I just decided I'm gonna do it. I saw a market need and I filled it. And um, I was having quite a good success. I had already replaced my salary from my other job within three months and it was working really nicely. And I was at the intersection of either I hire people and granted I was in my early twenties, okay? Either I hire people or I stop growing. And I'm not a person to stop growing. And I was really intimidated by the idea of hiring people because I never intended to own a business. I just so happened to do it. So when they came with, um, they, they courted me for a while to join this corporate organization. And the first couple of positions they offered me just were not a fit. And when they finally came with a position that I could actually see myself doing, I uh, flew up, they flew me up to their corporate headquarters in New Jersey. And I sat across from the CEO and I told him, look, I'm, this is a lateral move for me, right? I'm excited to work for an A brand. They were a French organization. I speak fluent French. So I was like, yay, I get to use my French, which I didn't end up doing, but it was fun, I, fun idea. But what I really wanted was to climb the corporate ladder. I wanted to experience what it was like to move up the ranks in an organization and to be able to, to do that. I had no idea what it was gonna take. I didn't even know what it'd be like. I just wanted to do it. So I told the CEO that if there wasn't going to be space to promote me, then don't hire me at all. If you don't have any intention of promoting me within two years, and you just want me to live and die in this position, which many people in that company do. It's a great company to work for. So when people get in, they don't leave. Like they stay for 20, 30, 40 years in the same job. That's not my, that's not my vibe. So I said, if you have no intention of promoting me, I would ask that you just don't hire me because I'll quit. I'm just letting you know now. And I don't want there to be bad blood. And he was like, all right, well, Let's make it happen. So, so I did, and I, I climbed the corporate ladder very quickly. And in 18 months, I had been promoted twice. 
I had been moved across the United States from Dallas to New Jersey, and I became the youngest member of the executive leadership team. And it was fun. I loved it. I, I, I lived and breathed my career. I gave up many, many other things to um, forward my career. And I had promised myself five years. I promised myself that for five full years, I would be all in for my career. And as that fourth year was dawning, I had done it. I had climbed the corporate ladder. I was at the top of the food chain. And I managed a really sizable department. And I had a lot of um, power and prestige, which, it was, which are some of my drivers. And I had the singular privilege of being the only mentee of the CEO of the entire group. So the CEO of a billion dollar company was my mentor. And I, there was only one place for me to move in that organization and that would be internationally. So I tried and I put in all the legwork and I had said, I'll move anywhere except for Asia because I don't speak the language. I don't even read the letters and I'm very intimidated and it's far away and I've never been there. So that's off limits for me. The whole rest of the world, move me anywhere, anywhere. <laughs> Where did they offer me a job? Yes. I'm guessing Asia. <laughs> They did right in Singapore. And I was like, no, no, Shanghai. Shanghai is where they offered me a job. And I was like, I'm not moving to Shanghai. And so I ended up deciding that I had reached where I'd reached. It was time for me to go. And so within a year, I did. Okay. So, um, and you maintained good relationships. I did. Absolutely. I thought, I'm not, there's no reason to burn that bridge. You know, they were very good to me. I did great work for them. I, the CEO I worked under, I was a direct report for several years and he, um, he and I are still friends, even though he's still, he's retired now. So nice. I maintain those relationships. Well, and you know, I think there's, there's times in our lives, right? That fit and then things change, okay. but you talked about starting your own business. So now this time when you left starting your consulting business yeah. was intentional. It wasn't, I just started doing it and repping people and wow, that was <laughs> great, right? Wow. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's right. I, um, I, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I just saw that there were in, so I work primarily in the home improvement space, although I have helped many clients outside of it, but I, I had watched that there were a lot of small business owners who were really hardworking and really ambitious and gritty, like gritty as heck. And they just didn't know the right steps to take to be successful. So they worked really hard, but not necessarily on the right things. And I knew that I knew what they didn't know. So that's where I said, I can help a lot of people. And my goal in starting the business, of course, I wanted to have it be very successful and grow at large. And ever since then, I've changed my tune a little. But I did know that I wanted to have an impact. I knew that I wanted to help people love their life and love their work, not just love one or the other. And that's what I've been doing for five years. So who typically picks up the phone or reaches out to you through your website and says, hey, Madeline, I think we need to chat. What are some of the first things people bring to you as why they're reaching out to you? Most people reach out to me uh, because they've grown their business to a level where they don't know what to do next, right? Usually they've brought on some people and they don't know how to manage the people. They don't know how to let go of what they've been doing. Sometimes there's some discord 
And they're just like, they know that something needs to change because they're feeling like, I don't even really like this anymore. Right. I, I've, I've made something that I don't love anymore. And now I'd really like, I'd like to, I, I would like to love it again. And, but they just, they've outgrown their own capacity. They know that they need something. And quite frankly, they're willing to invest. And it's not about the money. It's about the time. Yeah. They're willing to give it their time and attention to say, what do I need to do? And Sarah, my honest answer for most of them is do less, right? I generally put my clients on a, we're going to do less better, right? I, I, I make them go slow with me in the beginning so that we can get clear on what do they really want out of their business? What it, what's really happening in their business? so that we can then make the right steps instead of just keep taking any old step. Well, and that clarity piece first. Yes. It it shifts everything, you Absolutely. know? So, cause if all you were doing was trying to increase revenue, you could come in and be very like, okay, then do X, Y, and Z, yes. boom, you'll do it. But if that doesn't align with what that person wants, they're just gonna build a monster they hate and then they will leave or- Then they will leave. Yep. And honestly, I, I, there are a lot of organizations who can teach you how to sell. I can teach you how to sell hundred percent. Like I am really good at it and I can let, I can teach you how to be really good at it. It's a, it's a science and an art. It's a blend of science and an art. And I, I know exactly the right amount of this and the right amount of that and this talk track and that talk track and voila, you have perfection. So I know that. And also I know that it's not usually about we're not making enough money right? It's not, that's not usually the problem people come to me to solve, right? People come to me to solve the problem of, I, 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 I don't know what to do now because I've grown my business and I'm, I'm stressed. Like there's no room for me anymore. And I, I, I'm, all I do is live and breathe and eat and be the business and I've lost me. And I help them find a better path for their business so they can find themselves again. Are there typical um, systems that you find when folks come and say that um, that are missing? Are there any general, like it's usually A, B, and C that, you know, after we get clear on what their priorities, priorities are, that those are kind of where we need to dig well, in? Truly depends on the size of the organization, right? I've worked with owner operators who are doing 100,000 or less. Um, and I've worked with businesses that are doing 25 million and over. So it really does depend on, I mean, and then of course I have my corporate clients who are in the billions. So it really depends on where they are as an organization. I, there's no silver bullet here. Um, what I find the most is that my clients getting clarity on where do they want to go this year, not in five years, not in 10 years, not like their BHAG, their big hairy audacious goal that they wish and dream and hope one day will happen. What do you want to do this year, right? What's going to make you simple exercise I walk them through about helping them get clear on what is their statement? What do they say they want for the year? And then to backwards engineer the steps they need to get there and to put them on a very strict 30, 60, 90 Plan. Now, when I say very strict, I'm actually not that strict, but it gives them clarity about what to do now. We don't say yes to everything now. We only say yes to one thing at a time. And that's a discipline that is hard for a lot of my go-getters, ambitious, 
clients because they're used to just action, 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 doing, doing, doing. And I say, nope, nope, not adding anything more. We're doing only this one thing. And they're like, oh, but Madeline. And I said, just trust me, right? Trust me. I usually work with clients that my initial work with them, I only have them commit to three months. That's it. But by the end of that three months, I usually work with clients for six, nine, or 12 months, sometimes beyond. But I don't want to work with them forever. Right. I don't I'm doing my job if they need me forever. I want to teach you what you need in your organization and let you go fly and push you out of the nest and let you fly in the power of your own wings. Well, and yeah, you're not building dependency. I don't want dependency. I'm not that type of coach, right? I'm not, I really want to coach you up into the person that you're becoming and then let you be that person. Yep. Well, and even when you were talking about yourself and how you bookend your day and stuff, you, you did say you focus on the one thing for yes. the next day. And I know giving yourself permission and, and I'm, this is personal for me. Like when I started saying, this is what is important for me this year, but even this quarter, you yes. know, then when people reach out and they say, well, what about this? And I says, could you reach out, take it on your shoulders, call me in June. That's on my work. That's on my goal for the second half of the year, not the first half. And I'm not even going to think about it till then. Um, yes. Yes. But it takes stress off. Yes. And to your point, it takes a lot of discipline because I want to say, oh, yeah, that sounds great. And I'm going, mm, if I do that, what won't happen? That's it. So I um, maybe it's not popular, but I dislike the whole uh, popular culture of you can be everything and have everything and you can do it all. And my answer to that is, yeah, but at what cost? Yeah. At what cost? You can have and be and do it all, but maybe not at once. And most people hear that and they believe they can be and do and have it all right now, perfectly, in, in all at once. And it's like, well, we're not, you know, you only have so much energy to give. And if you're gonna steal from here, it comes from somewhere right? It comes from somewhere. So I, I, that's the number one thing in terms of systematic process. The number one process is helping them define their intended outcome, helping them backwards engineer those steps that they need, and then be even more about a 30, 60, 90 day plan and to roll that plan, right? Because once you're done with your 30 days, now you have your next 30 days. So you constantly evolve the plan on a rolling 30, 60, 90. It's the most helpful approach to keep people who are big picture thinkers, visionaries, growers, founders, disciplined about the now, not the next shiny object. Because shiny objects are-, are Shiny fun. objects. Yeah, they're fun to chase, but they're gonna pull you off your course. Yeah, you know, that's true. And I, I'm laughing because you're calling me out on a number of things that I've had to really just go, just don't, you can't do that yet. Yeah. Sorry, you're not doing that yet. Unless yeah. there's some really compelling reason or the world's going to have a terrible outcome if you don't, right? And yes. how often is the answer to that? Oh yeah, it's going to be bad for everybody. It's not. Nobody's going to care except for you. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but I do want to ask, you know, especially because your son and having more time with your son was a motivator yeah. for you also, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I want people to understand that this isn't just you, but you made changes so that you could have the life with your son that you want as well. Yeah. Um, yes. And not let work be, you know, like running you ragged. Um, yeah. 
Does that influence why you tell people it's important to scale or are those two separate pieces? I try not to measure anyone by my, by my yardstick because my experience, while not entirely unique, is unique to me and their experience is unique to them. So I tell my clients and I live it as well to stop measuring themselves by someone else's yardstick, put it away. Put away the yardstick that you're using to measure yourself that your mom handed down to you or that that first boss handed down to you or stop that, right? What do you want? What does success look like to you? Because success is something external and it's also deeply internal. And you can redefine at any moment what success looks like to you and transform the experience of your life without changing a thing. So... I don't encourage my clients to scale or not to scale. I encourage my clients to get clear on what they want and then, excuse me, and then to choose appropriately scaling or not scaling based on what they want, right? So I'll, I'll, I'll share a personal story if that's all right with you. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, um, I'm a solo parent. I'm not just a single parent where my son is part-time with his dad and part-time with me. His dad is still around, somehow involved as a FaceTime parent, but his dad lives in New York. I live in Phoenix, okay? And so I am, I am in this by myself, right? I'm raising my son by myself. And what that means to me is that parenting is a, is a core priority for me. He's only six right now. I don't get a second shot at having a six-year-old. I have one son. I may have more children in my future. I don't know. But as of right now, that's not in my future. Okay, got one. And I want to do an excellent job, right? It's important to me. It's something that I chose and it's something that I wanted in my life. And it's important to me that I do that. Now, that's one, one facet. I will tell you that the demands of being a solo parent are intense, way more intense than I ever thought, right? And I, um, I deeply resented how much being a solo parent impaired my business growth. I resented it, I will tell you. I actually went to a therapist in December of 2019 because I was having some mild depression. I'm not usually a depressed person. And I was like, what's going on in my life? And I couldn't understand. And she said, Madeline, what are you angry about? I was like, I'm not angry. <laughs> Well, well, you bite her head off. Right. I practically shouted in her face that I was not angry <laughs> to prove her point, right? And what it truly was is that when I founded this business, I wanted the money to be a measure of the impact and I wanted to have a great impact. So I wanted to grow it to be multi-millions very quickly. And I've helped other people do that, right? Achieve 1.5 million in 18 months easily, okay? Well, I felt I could do it for myself. And I had forgotten to take into consideration that I'm a solo parent and that it's important to me to raise my son well and to be an active and involved parent. Now, for different people, that means different things, but that's a very specific meaning to me. And I was resenting it. I wasn't resenting my son. I was resenting the limitations yeah. because real limitations. It's not like some imagined thing, right? I did have a live-in nanny for a while and that did not fulfill my paradigm of what being an involved parent looked like. So that didn't match. And when I finally allowed myself the freedom after this therapist's encouragement to be angry about it 
and to cry and to scream and to let it all out, I finally let it go. And I was able to dream afresh about what I really wanted, given the reality of my life. And what that allowed me is to say, you know what, maybe one day I'll scale a $15 million business, maybe one day, not today. Today, what I really want is a business that deeply serves people, that makes me feel really great, and that gives me a very help, that it replaces my corporate salary. That's what I really wanted it to do. Because I looked great when I was in my corporate salary. I loved it. And why not? Why not? So that's what I really wanted. And that doesn't mean I have to do millions and millions of dollars of sales to do it. It means that I run my business lean. I take on clients who I love, who appreciate what I do, and I make a profound impact. And I have stopped measuring myself by the stick of that 25-year-old Madeline who thought I could be all do all. Yes, I can, just not simultaneously. Yep. Thank you for that wisdom, because that is so true. And the other thing you said is you you changed, you actually gave yourself permission to say what success today, not for when you were 25. Yes. Um, because we change. And we I change. think we're so resistant to saying, well, what is important to me today is different because we've been working hard on the other. And it's like, yes. well, what does it mean? Was that a waste? When in yes. fact, it wasn't. It got you to this point where you could say, oh, this is the next thing that's important. Yes. And yeah. here's the thing, like a lot of people say, but you didn't achieve that goal, didn't you fail? And well, okay, you can say I failed, but I have a thriving business. I have a thriving son. I'm thriving. My clients are thriving. Who's saying I failed? If I'm not saying I failed, right? And I'm not saying that that's a no, nay, never, never will I ever. I'm just saying it's a not right now, yeah. right? I'm saying that, you know what? That was a great dream that propelled me to make a lot of great steps. And I learned a lot and I did a lot and I'm really proud of what I achieved. And also I find myself in a place where I'm allowed to be happy now. I don't have to wait to be happy. And isn't that the thing? Because nothing's promised to us, right? You don't want to wait to be happy. And basically you teach your kid, you be happy when you earn being happy and earning it looks like this with these metrics versus saying, this is a great day to be together. Right, son? That's right. Right. And if I want to take a Friday off, guess what? I take Friday off. Well, don't you have a great boss? I know. I'm the best boss. She's so available. She's like, whenever time you want to take off, you just take off, right? Someone told me, I did, I was calling for some oddball appointment and they said, well, what about this time? It was like a medical appointment in the obscure times. And I said, oh yeah, that'll work. Do you need to check with your boss? And I said, oh, my boss is so great. She doesn't care. And um, <laughs> she said, wow, can I work for your boss? And I said, I'm not hiring right now. Uh, but it was that thing is like, wait a minute, this is important. We'll make but it's that whole, I don't have to be pushing 10 hours a day to be happy. You know? you know, I work 35 hours a week. Yeah. And you know what? Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Yay is right. Well, don't you feel like you just can bring so much more because you're just feeling good? Yeah. And I do less. The truth of the matter is, you know, I've, I've studied with a lot of the gurus. I've done all the programs. I've done all the things. And a lot of the things that you're taught, they work for sure. But again, at what cost? Yeah. Right. So there are so many things that I stopped doing because I just simplified my life. I simplified my business. And, you know, I am I'm delighted with the people The the best way I know that a client is good for me is if they hear me and they say, yes, more of that. And they have the courage 
to click the link and book an appointment, that's my kind of person. Okay, so you just brought me right to my question for you. What is the best way for people to reach you? Is it to go to your website and connect or is there another way that you like to have people reach out to you? They can, um, they can go to my website and connect. There's an email address right there. There's a phone number right there. They can use either of those. Um, my website is www.mmcrae.com. Um, three M's, A-C-R-A-E.com. And I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. It will. Um, but the just there's, a, there's also a book and appointment link right there. Um, I am not the type of person, although I teach sales, I'm not a salesy, hustly, I'm going to give you a deal if you decide right now. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to pressure you. I've learned all those techniques and I dislike them. Okay. I'm not going to pressure you because I want you to be ready to work with me. Because if you're not ready financially, if you're not ready emotionally, if you're not ready time-wise, it's going to do like, it's not going to serve either of us. And my reputation is what earns me the most clients of all, right? People know people who work with me and they refer me. And if I allow people who are not ready to work with me by pressuring them into it, then I, my reputation would suffer. And I've worked too hard for that to let that be the case. Yay, yay, yay. I am right behind you. And you are correct. All of that information will be in the show notes. So as we wrap this up, everybody, I do want to encourage you to reach out. First of all, check out her website. She's got a great um, series of information up there. It's a great looking website if you're into if you're into the aesthetics of websites. <laughs> well, I do. I like to. I'm going, oh, I like that. Next upgrade. We'll do something like that. Oh, it's nice. not, but it, it's not on my first and second quarter focus, Madeline. It's I'm not touching it. Love it. <laughs> yeah, it's too easy to get signed on. But no, really, folks, go there. She's got information about her programs, her blog. So you can get a feel for her and her energy if this wasn't enough for you. Um, <laughs> but really, I just think when people, you know in your heart when you're listening, if you resonate with Madeline, and you will know it right now, you're going, oh, yeah, I think I need to reach out to her, do it. The longer you wait, the less likely you will be to do it. So just do it and then hop on a call with her and see what you see. I can tell you from just talking to her, she's not a pressure person no. and she'll boot you if you're not a good foot. And I say <laughs> that in the nicest way, but she'll, she's a good coach. So she's going to only work with folks she knows she can help in this moment. 100%. Uh, yeah. 100%. So, I, my thought is that if you don't get, you know, three to 10 X return on your investment, then it was the wrong investment to make. So I just, I, I, I stand behind that. I encourage my clients to be critical in their thinking. If they want to think it over, if they want to discuss it with their partner, if they want, amen, hallelujah, do it, right? And yep. then come back to me when you're ready. And I, I will follow up. I am tenacious on my follow-up, but I'm, if you're a no, you're a no. It's okay. And I will, I will give you my best on that call. I will help you. I will support you. We'll talk through where you are. And if we're a great fit to do business together and I can help you, then we'll talk about working with me more closely. And if we're not, my promise is we'll part as friends. I don't think you could ask for more. So Madeline, thank you so much for being a guest on the No Labels, No Limits podcast. Super fun getting to chat with you today. And I know you've added so much value. So thanks for all of that. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. 
You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.